Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And while you do, go ahead and grab your bulletin for me. Do me a favor. Turn to page 10. It's near the end. And find where it says Athanasian Creed Part 3. And at the second to last time that people speak that starts at his coming, which is a bold section, I want you to go ahead and uh, follow along with me listening to what it says. At his coming, all people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds. And those who have done good will enter into eternal life and those who have done evil into eternal fire. This is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved. Now, I will be real honest with you. Pastor Bob and I discussed leaving these lines out of the service today because it seems to go against what we believe, teach, and confess as faithful Christians, as faithful Lutherans. And it's not because it includes the word Catholic. Notice it's a small c Catholic, meaning universal. In uh, Luther's German translation of this creed in the Book of Concord, he actually wrote the true Christian faith instead of the word Catholic. But the reason we considered leaving it out is because at first glance, it seems to confuse justification and sanctification. And oh no, it sounds like I'm on the brink of slamming you all with some confusing theological jargon. And trust me, I know. I know you've got bigger things on your mind to focus on than what some ancient church father may or may not have written a thousand years ago. And I'm sure you'd be fine with me leaving it at that. But there is some truth here that applies to your life. And it would be to your benefit to have it made clear for you. So I'd like to start with a story. In hopes of protecting his identity, I'm not going to tell you his name or how I know him. But I will tell you that there is a man I know that is a recent graduate from college. He is a millennial, and he would consider himself a nun. Not as in the Catholic woman who wears a habit, but as in someone who doesn't claim any membership to any religion. When asked what religion he is, he would say, none. And that's why he's called a nun. Now, personally, I think he will one day be a Christian. And I think this because over the course of getting to know him, I learned that when he was a child, he was baptized in an ELCA church. And after a difficult time in his life, he rejected God. And he came to the conclusion that he actually doesn't exist. And that's how this young man has decided to cope with the trauma in his life. Well, God gave me an opportunity to speak some truth into his life. And I was able to give a clear proclamation of the gospel to this person. Now, you'd think being baptized and growing up in the church, that he would know. Or after working at a church for a while, that he would know. But honestly, he had no idea what the gospel was. And he had us Christians pegged as, you do good things, you get into heaven, you do bad things, you go to hell. And that's what he honestly thought we believed. And if you listened to the last few lines of the Athanasian Creed, you might have to say he's right. But is that what we believe? I want to see some shaking heads. No, no, that's not what we believe. 
And I told him that. I said, Christianity is unlike any other religion. In every single other religion, your afterlife depends on what you have done here on earth. But that's not the Christian faith. For Christians, our afterlife depends on what God did, namely what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. How we have been chosen. Again, not something that we do, but what God does. He did the choosing. And it's because of all that that we are saved. But if that's the case, what's the deal with the last few lines of the Athanasian Creed? And why, then, do we include it in our worship service once a year on Trinity Sunday? Well, to answer that, you need to know a little bit of history. And that history is about a guy named Arius. Now, just like all Americans should know about the 4th of July, I feel all Christians should know about Arius and the heresy of Arianism. A heresy is a false teaching. And it's, it's one that isn't even a little bit right, but it's actually, it's actually counter to what Christians believe and is articulated in the Bible. A heresy, if believed, can actually put your salvation at risk. And there was this guy named Arius who lived in the early 300s who started teaching that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are creations of God the Father. One word for this is subordinationism, where two gods or two persons are subordinate to or, or under one big God, the case here being God the Father. And his teaching got some major traction. A lot of people thought he was right because it makes sense, doesn't it? He was able to have a, a reasonable, understandable, albeit false explanation of who Jesus was. But so what? Right? What does it matter? Well, it matters a lot because if Jesus is just a creation of God the Father, then that would make him not really God. And if he isn't really God, then he's just a man, only a man, who died a criminal's death on the cross. That means his sacrifice means nothing. And suddenly our salvation does not hinge on what God has done for us, but rather it hinges on what we've done here on earth. If Jesus is a creation of God the Father, then there's no longer any gospel. All we're left with is law. And though a lot of people got on board with this line of thinking, one man didn't. And his name was Athanasius, for whom the creed we confess today is named. Athanasius combated this vile heresy of Arius, keeping in tension the two natures of Christ, being 100% God and 100% man. And the three-in-oneness of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Athanasius also attended the Council of Nicaea, where we get the start of the Nicaean Creed. Back in 325 AD, he was a real man who lived in real history. And even though this creed originated in France a century or so after Athanasius' death, this creed affirms the, the traditional Christian beliefs and Athanasius' defense of Christ's divinity and the equality of the persons of the Trinity. 
And so by the time we got to Luther, some 1,200 years later, the importance that these early Lutherans were stressing with acknowledging and affirming this creed is centered around the rejection of heresy. The early Lutherans were agreeing with the church that they too were not heretics like the yahoos that have promulgated the false teachings throughout the years. They weren't trying to combat works righteousness. That was a whole separate argument. Even though we, we sometimes look that the last few lines of the Athanasian creeds are all about your works getting to you heaven. That's not what it's about. And even with knowing this history, you still might be thinking, so what? <laughs> this was during the golden age of theology. What, 300, 400 years after Christ? What does it matter now? Well, sadly, the church is still plagued by false teaching. There are many who claim to be faithful Christians who hold to ideas and, and teach things that are contrary to Scripture. Ideas like the, the theory of evolution instead of the creation account given to us in the book of Genesis. When the possibility of God doing amazing and powerful things is, is, is disregarded because it doesn't fit into a human's limited perspective of reason and thought, it's, it's a sad and it's a false reality indeed. Or like gender and sexuality being on a spectrum where one's identity is, is reduced down and it is solely derived by who they find attractive instead of the full and true identity as one called by God and adopted into his family as an heir to the promise given to us as children of God. When, when the very words of God are, are dissected and readers get to pick and choose what they want to listen to and what they want to ignore based on their false narrative of the human experience, yeah, false teaching abounds to this day. So instead... Let us stay true to the faith that's been passed down to us. Let us, let us be beneficiaries of the, the gifts from our loved ones who have taught us over the years the, the very Spirit of God. And when confronted by false teaching, let us rebuke in love. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says in his book, Life Together, uh, he says in chapter 4, nothing can be more cruel than the tenderness that consigns another to sin. Nothing can be more compassionate than the severe rebuke that calls a brother back from the path of sin. Do you notice this is, this is opposite to what we often hear. Bonhoeffer says, and I'm paraphrasing here, that cruelness is tolerance of sin and compassion is calling it out. Now this doesn't give you permission to be a jerk about it. We are encouraged to speak truth, but to do so in love. And it's the in love part that's often forgotten. And I hope you understand that being the self-proclaimed theology nerd that I am, this kind of stuff gets me fired up. And I hope it gets you fired up as well. Because it's on account of people like Athanasius that we have been given a true and faithful understanding of Scripture and about who God is 
and what he's done. We can understand with, with depth and with meaning verses like we hear in our gospel lesson. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That a verse like this is good news to a world that needs to hear it. And that we're not simply one morality amongst many, but that because of Jesus, we are saved. God gave his son so that he would die in our place. And because of that, we are forgiven. Our sins no longer have eternal consequences. On account of Jesus, we are made perfect in the eyes of God. We are justified. Nothing that we did on our own. It was God who did the justifying. And therefore, we are able to live sanctified lives, holy lives, in service to God and neighbor. Amen? Amen.